The Penguins dropped another close one to the Carolina Hurricanes on Saturday night. And on today's episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast, Pat and I are going to recap that game, plus get you all set for Monday afternoon's game against the Kraken. You're Locked On Penguins. Your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Penguins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I am one of your hosts, Hunter Hodes. You can follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Joined by my co-host, Patrick Amp. You can follow him on Twitter at Synonym for Wet. And you can follow the show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. Of course, thank you all so much for making this your first listen slash watch of the day. We are free and available on all platforms. And finally, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get 150 bucks in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. So Hurricanes 3, Penguins 2 in a game that's been basically playing on repeat, I feel like, for the past couple of years when these two teams play outside of the game in Pittsburgh earlier this year where the Penguins won in a shootout. But all these other games against the Hurricanes, again, go exactly the same way. A coin flip, and it went the Hurricanes' way. I do like how the Penguins battled back to get a point in this game for the week. They got four out of six points. That is the positive spin on this. That's a pretty good week in a way. They won two games, lost one in regulation. I know it's not what really happened, but in a way you could argue that I guess it did in quotation marks. But four out of six points, that's fine. That said, they still started off this game really poorly. They played a terrible first period, let the Hurricanes jump all over them, and they had to play catch-up yet again. And they were lucky to score another six-on-five goal at the end of the game. But again, Pat, just not an acceptable start. That's two games in a row where it feels like the Penguins were not ready to play in the first period, and it cost them a potential second point in this game and against Vancouver as well. It it did. And there's, you know, you and I have been texting since the game about a lot because it's a frustrating couple of a uh, couple of days here in the Penguins in the Penguins world. The one thing I want to uh, I do want to preface with is that there's going to be a lot of talk on this episode about things that are going poorly and things that are going wrong. But let's not lose too much perspective here. They are in a very tight Eastern Conference. We can talk about the quality of the Eastern Conference and how good or bad it is. That's a different discussion for a different day. End of the day, this team is still two points out of a playoff spot. They are all of eight, I believe, if my math is correct. Or not eight. They are all of uh, six out of third in the Metropolitan Division. So things aren't disastrous you know we're not talking about this team falling out of a playoff spot or anything crazy but there are warning signs right now of where this team is and where it could go and it starts with the starts you can't this is twice now in two weeks that they have gone into a crucial division game with two extremely important points on the line and they don't show up for the first period they did it against the Caps a little uh, a little under two weeks ago, and that's a bad Capitals team, man. I'm sorry. I, I got all the respect in the world 
for Alex Ovechkin and the Capitals is the Penguins rival, but that's not a good hockey team. They are better than that hockey team, and they no-showed in the first period in a game where they could have absolutely dominated that team start to finish and taken a crucial two points in a playoff race. And while, no, you're not chasing directly the Carolina Hurricanes right now, they're looking like they have a very real chance to catch the Rangers at the top of the Metro, but it's still two huge points in the division that you are going to need in a couple of months. And they just, in top to bottom too, this wasn't like against the Caps where the top guys showed up and everybody else was terrible. Nobody showed up from the drop of the puck except for Tristan Jari. The first breakaway that they got within the first 15 seconds of the game was a Sidney Crosby turnover, an uncharacteristic Sidney Crosby turnover that you never see happen. So this is a huge problem for this team. That I understand they're a little bit older. I understand, as Yohe told us in the preseason, this team doesn't care about winning the division. They don't care about division titles. They care about getting into the playoffs and letting whatever happens happen in the playoffs. But guess what? If you don't play a full 60 minutes in the National Hockey League, more often than not, you are not going to win. And the crazy thing is they've shown they can compete with these top teams. For example, Vancouver. I thought they mostly outplayed them in that game outside of the first period. With Carolina, they had a really brutal first period. Tristan Jari was the only reason why it was only 2-0 heading into the second period. But then the Penguins started to find their lays again in the second period and in the third period. I thought they actually kind of outplayed Carolina for a good chunk of those second and third periods. But the fact that they're still unable to start these games on time, whether it's against Vancouver, Carolina, or Washington, that's concerning because these are big games and you need to play a full 60 minutes if you want to take these games in regulation. Even if they had won that in overtime, I would have obviously loved the result. I would not have liked that it would have taken overtime to beat the Hurricanes, but I guess sometimes that happens. And we can talk about the three-on-three struggles a little later on in the show, but these starts have got to get better. You can't be relying on number 35 to bail you out every single time, at least when he starts. We can talk about Nedeljkovic whenever he starts because he's had to bail them out quite a bit at times this season. But when Jari starts and he's playing at this level, you you, you just you can't rely on him to do this every single time you have a bad start. It's a recipe for disaster, to be honest. It is. And, and to your point, you look at the, the underlyings from last night. They had 66% of the Corsi 4 percentage in the second period. 53% of it in the third period. In the second period, they had 75% of the expected goals percentage and then 53% of the expected goals percentage in the third period. They outplayed the Carolina Hurricanes the final 40 minutes. They held Carolina to two high danger chances after the first period. They locked in after that awful 20 minutes. But the worst part was, Pat, they gave up nine high danger chances in that first period. That's not acceptable. No, and... That's the biggest issue here is that they are fighting uphill. And we're going to talk about this in the second segment as a whole. We're going to talk about the power play. But here's the thing. They're fighting uphill overall because they're starting games late. They are not giving themselves a good opportunity. The thing that I that really has stuck out to me, and I know it's getting it's getting parsed, it's getting pulled apart and analyzed by everybody. I'm not going to do that with this. But I want to talk about the Eric Carlson quote to Josh Yohe from this from last night. He basically asked Carlson why they don't win in overtime, why they're struggling in overtime. And he said, I'm surprised by it, too. 
I don't know why tonight we didn't control the puck off the face off. It's tough when you don't control the puck in overtime. I have my theories, but I'll keep it to myself. And listen, that that we're not going to we're not going to put on tin foil hats here and try to figure out what he said. Here's the thing that I do want to parse against though. Somebody in that locker room, whether it's Carlson, Crosby, whether it's Latang, Jake Gensel, or even a guy who's done it plenty of times before in Evgeny Malkin needs to come out and bury this team a little bit to a reporter, whether it's Yohi, Rossi, whomever. Now, they don't need to come out. Like I said, this team is in a tight Eastern Conference. There's still two points out of a playoff spot. Not all is lost. But eventually, somebody in this locker room, one of the leaders, one of the big guys has to come out and say, the efforts as of late have not been acceptable. We haven't played 60 minutes. We haven't converted on the power play. We haven't played our best hockey. We've hung our goaltenders out to dry. We haven't been responsible defensively. And just wake this team up a little bit. Because here's the thing. All the experts and pundits out there have talked about, oh, this team's old. This team's old. They're not as good as you think they are. They're not as good as you think they are. Screw that. We're not talking about, no offense to him, you know I love him. We're not talking about Jeff Carter being older. We're talking about Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, Chris Letang, and Eric Carlson. Guys who at their absolute prime were among the best hockey players to ever put on skates. They haven't suddenly declined so far that they're no longer amongst the best in the league. They are still great hockey players. And this is a team that is not playing up to its potential for a myriad of reasons. One of them being the fact that they aren't playing a full 60 minutes. And the other is that they are getting complacent. They are looking towards the playoffs and they haven't made it there yet. It just seems like in a number of ways, they haven't fully started that push for the playoffs that, there were recent years after the back-to-back cups where the penguins were kind of in this same situation where they were fighting for their playoff lives around this time, but then they would go on a couple of massive winning streaks to really get themselves out of there to be in the top three of the division. You haven't seen that just yet. And yeah, you know, they're nine, three and three in the last 15 games. That's all fine and dandy, but they still haven't pulled off Pat, you know, a massive six to eight game winning streak once or twice this season. That's what's really needed over these next couple of weeks to really get yourself out of the bubble. And then you can start fighting for a potential top three spot in this division. And then you can maybe look towards the playoffs. We haven't seen that this year. We didn't, we saw it at the early stages of last year. We didn't really see it at this time last year either. That's what I feel like has been really missing these last couple of years. And to your point about overtime, it is, we, it is funny because when three-on-three three first came about, I was a big fan of it. I still like three-on-three. Three, but this Penguins team always used to play so well in that extra session. And I feel like there's numerous problems with the Penguins with three-on-three three now. One, the team is definitely a bit older. They don't have fresh legs like they used to have. Some of their players aren't as good on three on three as they were. For example, Evgeny Malkin, he used to be amazing in three on three. He's not anymore. And that's fine. I think Evgeny Malkin is still a world class player. He's just not that good at three on three anymore. I also think they make really poor decisions when it comes to changes, like last night with Sidney Crosby. There was no reason to make a change there. And he comes off, and then you're leaving Evgeny Malkin out to dry, trying to defend a chance there. And let's face it, we all know Evgeny Malkin is not good defensively. He never really has been. He's been a bit better this year, but still, 
leaves a lot to be desired. There's no reason to make a change in that situation. Another problem, they just don't have the puck often enough. That, that's, I think, the biggest one. They don't have the puck nearly enough. They barely have the puck at all in that overtime session against Carolina last night. There's a lot of problems when it comes to this team on three-on-three. Yeah, you can also argue that overtime is a crapshoot. It is. I mean, it, it kind of is. But I still think they can be better in this extra session than they have been these last couple of years because that's now five straight just OT losses for this team. And that's unacceptable because it burned them last year for most of last year before they started to win a little bit more in overtime towards the end. And it's burning them again this year. It's not acceptable. I also think, and we'll close this segment out real quick. I don't want to go much longer is just that I think like so many other things, three on three overtime has now become so overcoached that it's just uh, teams have caught up just strategically with the penguins. Cause the penguins cause just used to be able to overwhelm you with speed right. and skill. Now, it, like like every other thing in the National Hockey League, it's been completely overcoached. I agree. And I know they're, the league is trying to figure out ways to make three-on-three three a little more exciting just because whenever someone gains the zone and there's not enough help, oh, they can just retreat and then go back for another zone entry. But the Penguins just aren't doing enough smart things in three-on-three, three, and it's costing them extra points night in and night out. But that will do it for this first segment coming up in the second segment. Oh yeah. We're going to go scorched earth on the power play. Once again, Pat has been waiting to give his take on the situation as have I, but we are going to really bury this unit in the second segment. But before we get to that, we got to tell you all about FanDuel. The NFL regular season is wrapping up, but there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get 150 bucks in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's 150 bucks in bonus bets, win or lose. The app is so easy to use, and there are so many different ways to bet, like live same game parlays. You can find bets in the new Explore tab. You can make a parlay in the Parlay Hub, and so much more. All you have to do is visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and make your first bet a layup. That's FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL. All right, we're back here on this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I am one of your hosts, Hunter Hodes, joined by my co-host, Patrick Damp. So the power play once again, just terrible in this game against Carolina. And I know the Hurricanes are usually a very stout penalty-killing team, but the Penguins made it so easy on them last night that I kind of laughed a little bit at times when, when they were on the power play. There was one sequence in the second period. You know it. Penguins had a five-on-three for about 30 seconds. They couldn't gain the zone once. Again, unacceptable. That's a disgrace. That's a joke. It's whatever word you want to call it. You had the five-on-four right after. Couldn't gain the zone after there as well. And the fact that they continue to not make a single Big adjustment to this unit at the halfway point of the season is laughable. You, I mean, we talked all about Tar Reardon. They obviously don't want to fire him. We can keep blabbering about it all we want. It's obvious they don't want to, even though they probably should. We can also talk all we want about them, you know, putting Malkin and Crosby on separate units. They're not going to do that, I think, at this juncture. But this unit, it's been unacceptable since night one. And it continues to cost the Penguins points game after game after game. I know you've been wanting to say a lot about this, so I'm going to go ahead and hand this over to you. So I'm going to treat this a little bit like cliche sports talk radio, and we're going to power rank it 
of who's a problem. And I'm going to start at the top and I'm just going to go with the players because listen, we have belly ached about the coaching and the coaching's not blameless. So before a bunch of listeners and watchers here start cringing, thinking I'm going to run defense and in ops for the coaching staff, don't worry, we're going to get there. But you got to go with the players because there is no coach in the world or there is a coach somewhere in the world that would do this, but there's no coach in the national hockey league that would be teaching this or coaching this or preaching this of what we're seeing. This is on the players because I brought this up in an earlier episode. Somebody on that power play needs to become LeBron James with the heat in the early 2010s and just say, I'm taking over. I'm scoring. And if you don't like that too bad, I get it. Eric Carlson stepped into a locker room with Crosby, Malkin, and Latang, who are the longest trio to ever play on the same team consecutively in North American professional sports. I get it. These guys are living legends. They've done everything there is to do in this sport. But you know what? If you're the quarterback of the power play, you don't have to be nice anymore. Don't give the puck to these guys every time. you Don't defer to them. All of that. Because if they don't like the fact that you're scoring goals and winning games on the power play, well, that's their problem, not yours. And guess what? We know these three guys. They're perfectly fine with winning games and scoring goals. They don't have to be the ones to do it. And if they if they do have a problem with that, well, then you know what? Maybe they aren't the greats we thought they were. Eventually, somebody has to take charge of this power play because they're doing the same drop passes they're playing the same passive style they've been playing. They won't go to the front of the net. Because if you look at the times, when this power play was effective, they were quick with it. They played urgently. They went to the front of the net. They had a shot-first mentality. When they Everywhere else, that's not been the case. Now we go to the coaches. This is on both Todd Reardon and Mike Sullivan. It's on Todd Reardon because... You're the guy in charge. I, I, I don't know what else to say. I can't really go much deeper than that because when you're the guy who is known for the, the, the running of the power play and this is what we're getting out of it, well, you're part of the problem, a big part of it as well. It's on Mike Sullivan because it's my favorite story about him. When he first came in in 2015, he sat down with Crosby, Malkin, Latang, and at the time, Phil Kessel, and basically asked them, why should I keep you all together on the top power play unit? It sucks. And he let them speak their piece. And he basically said, okay, you've got, it was either five, seven or 10. I can't remember games to prove to me that you belong on the same unit. And all of a sudden they decided to prove that they belonged on the same unit. And the rest, as they say, is history. Eventually, I, I think Mike Sullivan is one of the best coaches in the national hockey league. They have a top five coach behind that bench, but I think he's gotten a little bit comfortable. And I don't mean that in Kyle Dubas has to come out and threaten his job or Kyle Dubas has to come out in the media and talk about how, you know, we're looking at all these problems and blah, 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 whatever. I think he's just gotten too comfortable with his guys as well. He should. These guys have earned a continent's worth of the benefit of the doubt for everything that they've done. But he's eventually got to say to them, guys, you're all future Hall of Famers. You're all offensively talented. Why is this power play bottom three? Take a seat. I'm giving everybody else a shot. And if they want to moan about, m complain and moan about it, well, that's too bad. Go out and score goals. You are paid to score goals. This power play, if it was average, that's fine. Because you know what? It's the most inherently random game on the planet. And Sometimes how much power play has this team top three in the Metro right now? 
Sometimes you do everything right and the puck just doesn't go in. That's what hockey is. But guess what? They're not even getting the process right anymore. So eventually he has to step in and again, be the alpha in charge of this team. Like he was for the first few years and say to the players, guess what? You're stinking up the joint, take a seat and figure it out. I'm breaking this power play up. And if you guys have a problem with that, well, you better prove to me that you should be on the same power play again because they ha- it's been 41 games. It's literally been half of a season. We know what this power play is. So it's a problem, and everybody's at fault. So if so, for everybody that's going to tell me, oh, it's this thing, it's that thing, it's this, it's that, it's the other, you're all right. You're all correct. It Every single part of it is a problem. Right. And honestly, at this point, I don't see why he maybe doesn't just put the second unit out there for the first half or maybe even more of a power play that the Penguins get and be like, okay, if the top unit isn't going to do anything and they're not even going to be able to gain the zone, I'm going to put you guys out there, some of the depth players. Let's see what you guys can do. If you start getting some results, I'm going to continue to put you guys out there for the first minute, minute 10, minute 15 of a power play, and we'll go from there. And just to just put the, I guess, the cherry on top to this discussion, Matt, who he has a long, it's like Yinzer on social media, on Twitter, I guess. He put he compiled all the Penguins' one-score losses and their power play results for the first half of the season, or a good chunk of them, against the Ducks, where I was there for that game with that awful goal at the end. Penguins went 2-for-7. Rangers, 0-for-4. Sabres, 0-for-2. Predators, 0-for-2. Flyers, 0-for-5, 0-for-3. Senators, 0-for-4. Capitals, 1-for-3. Canucks, 0-for-4. Then Carolina, last night, what was it, Pat? 0-for-4. That's not good enough. That is costing you games every single week. And and it's and, no and we're wonder not, why you're out of a playoff spot right now because this unit is absolute dog crap. I don't want to and, and you're, say what and I you're not say, you're not but. you're not asking them to be the historically greatest power play to ever exist in the history of the league. That would be nice. You certainly wouldn't hear complaints from us about that. But one goal, one, one goal in those games, just one, one extra power play goal, and they're probably in third or second in the Metro right now. They only have themselves to blame. And you know what? I'll be saying the same thing if they miss the playoffs at the end of this season. Because we're going to look back. Yeah, we're going to look back. And if they miss, we're going to be like, man, if only you guys could lived up to your billing on the power play, you guys would be playing in the tournament and another team wouldn't be. And that's That's the biggest thing we're going to say. Power play is about, we can say about because we're at the halfway mark of the season. The power play is literally about to cost them their season. Yeah. And it's crazy to me that they will not make a single major change to it, whether it's something regarding the personnel, firing a coach, preferably Tar Reardon, whatever. It's just crazy that they continue to just run this thing back and think that, oh, everything's fine. They're going to figure this thing out. It's been half a season, guys. It ain't just going to figure itself out on its own. But, hey, again, they'll have themselves to blame if they miss the playoffs in these final 41 games, but that'll do it for the second segment coming up to end the show. Big game on Monday against the Seattle Kraken, a team that has now won nine in a row after starting out the season really cold. Pat and I are going to preview that game to end the show. But before we get to that, we got to tell you all about game time. You shouldn't have to worry when you're buying tickets to your next big event. Game time is the fastest and easiest way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you with killer last minute deals 
all in prices, viewers from receipt, and the best price guarantee. Game time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. It's the only ticketing app that gives you complete peace of mind with your purchase. You can see the view from receipt before you buy, so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. All in prices show your total up front, so you know you're getting a great deal before you check out. You can also buy tickets in seconds with just two taps. All you got to do is download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDON for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code LOCKEDON for $20 off. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, we're back here on this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Hunter Hodes, joined by my co-host, Patrick Damp. So, Penguins Kraken coming your way, 1 o'clock start time on Monday. This was originally going to be an evening game, but thanks to the crazy weather in Buffalo, the Penguins of Kraken were able to come to a deal to get this game to 1 o'clock because, let's face it, the Pittsburgh Steelers run the city of Pittsburgh, and everyone that goes to that game wants to be able to go out to a bar or go back home to watch the Steelers take on the Bills at 4.30 on Monday. But yeah, so shout so. out, shout out to diehard Steelers fan Ron Francis for agreeing to it, man. We love you. We love you, Ronnie franchise. Yes. He probably was like, you know what? I'll do this. Let's make the game at one o'clock. I want to go watch this game somewhere, even though I'm the general manager of a hockey team. But and speaking of his hockey team, the Kraken have been on fire as of late. They've won nine in a row. They started off the season. Really, and I mean really cool. They were well below 500, but they've rattled off quite a few wins as of late. They are firmly in the playoff race right now. If you look at the standings for the Pacific Division, they're 19 and 14 and 9, 47 points tied with the Edmonton Oilers for fourth place in the division. The Oilers have three games in hand on the Kraken. So if the Oilers win all three of those games, they'll be six points up on them. The Kraken, they're also one point behind the Kings for third in the Pacific. They've really climbed their way back and they have not lost in regulation in their last 10 games and you look at the players on this team Vince Dunn leads in points 35 in 42 games this is a team that while they don't have any elite to superstar type players they have a lot of very good to great players Oliver Bjorkstrand, 12 goals 34 points in 42 games Tolvanen has 11 goals 28 points Old friend Jared McCann, 16 goals, 26 points. And yes, I am still a little bit mad that Jared McCann is not a member of the Penguins anymore, even though it's been a few years. Still, what a player he is. You have Matty Beneers, who I think is one of the best young players in the league. Jordan Eberle is always a Penguins killer. It feels like he scores every game against the Penguins. Jaden Schwartz, Alex Wenberg, Yanni Gord. We can keep going down the list if you want. But one of their biggest MVPs of this season, if not their MVP so far, is goaltender Joey Decord in 27 games? He has a 9.23 save percentage and a 2.29 goals against average. He really didn't have much of an NHL sample heading into this season, but he has played like one of the best goaltenders in the league this year and has really turned things around for the Kraken. This has been a Kraken team over the past couple of years that really hasn't gotten that great of goaltending, though they got into the playoffs last year and had a nice little heater by Grubauer, but again, Grubauer this year, 884, hasn't really been playing that well. Despite the little bit of slow start, this team, again, firing really well right now. This is going to be another big test for the Penguins in this one. It really is because one, you know, we all know this as longtime hockey fans, when 
a team gets rolling, everything just seems to go their way. You know, we saw that last year, ironically enough, because this is the team that played in it this year with Boston in the Winter Classic. They were on one of those heaters last year where when things went their way, everything went their way. And that's what's happening for the Kraken right now. Here's one thing, though, and I don't want to poo-poo a 9-0-1 run because it's very, very hard to fluke your way to 10 straight games without a regulation loss. But let's also look at who they've beaten in this stretch. It hasn't exactly been a murderer's row. It started off with L.A., who is a damn good team this year, but then you have the Ducks, you have the Flames, you have the Flyers, and again, Flyers, surprising, still pretty good. Then it moves on Vegas, okay? Defending Stanley Cup champions always look like a wagon, big win. But then coming into Pittsburgh, they have beaten Ottawa, Buffalo, the Caps, and the Blue Jackets. So they have had a pretty soft schedule going into this. And again, say it all the time, you can only play the games in front of you. You can't treat it. It's not a restaurant. You can't be like, excuse me, waiter NHL. Uh, this is not done well enough. It was, this wasn't a hard enough schedule. We'd like to return it. Please don't put us in the playoffs. But the Penguins will have to play a full 60 minutes. Again, we've been talking about it all episode. You're going to have to play a full 60 against this team because they're rolling. They're feeling themselves. Everything they touch lately has turned into wins. And that's the other side of this coin that I'll talk about with this softer schedule, they haven't been winning coin flip games, you know, two, one, three, two. It's been multi goal victories over this team, over these teams. So they're playing teams that they're supposed to beat and they're beating them. That's what I was going to say before you said that funny enough, you know, obviously you can only play who's on your schedule, but they're beating teams. They're supposed to be, which the penguins at times have not been able to do no. these last couple of seasons. So they're taking care of business, banking points when they can, and now they head into another game here against a team that's also fighting for their playoff lives. Penguins were swept by the Kraken last season. They actually had two pretty solid games against Seattle, but the Penguins just weren't able to get the result in either one. But still, this one I'm still pretty excited about considering the level of talent that the Kraken have and how there are still at least a few former Penguins on this team. But special teams, you look at the Kraken, they're at 21% on the power play. The Penguins should have the edge there in terms of penalty kill, power play, no one, the Penguins <laughs> never have an edge with the power play at this point this season. But for the Penguins to win this game, it's really more of the same, I feel like, with what we've been talking about for previews. You know what the blueprint is for the Penguins to win these type of, of games against good opponents. The Penguins just have to go out there and really execute. And it all starts in the first period. Come out and show that you give a damn in that first period and try to play a full 60. You did it against the Flyers earlier this week or last week, I should say. Time to do it again here against a Kraken team that is playing well, but you, I think, honestly, at this point, need those points more than they do. You do. And similar to what you said about how the Kraken don't really have the big-time game breaker or the big-time superstar – that's what you have to play to to your advantage. You have the talent advantage in this game. You have the better high-end, top-end skill here. And you should play like it. You should play like the team that has Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, Jake Gensel, Eric Carlson, and Chris Letang. So really, use that talent in that type of gameplay to your advantage because this isn't a Kraken team that plays a high-tempo style. They play a very structured game. 
Make them break that structure. Make them chase you. Make them try to keep up with you. And should you do that, assuming Joey Decord doesn't stand on his head, which looks like is something he very much could do, I like your chances in this one. Well, Joey Decord might stand on his head because Auntie Ronta just stood on his head in that game for the Hurricanes. Yeah, of course. Penguins. Uh, we, we didn't say that in the, in the recap, but Ronta has had two non-awful games this year, and they've both come against the Penguins. His save on Sidney Crosby late in that game, I'm like – you're an 862 goalie making that type of save. O- only the Penguins, I feel like. Only, man. And one more thing before we close this up. Brian Dumoulin, his first game back in Pittsburgh for this game. He's going to get a really nice tribute video, I'm sure, by the Penguins. I hope everyone at PPG gives him a standing ovation considering what he did for this team with those back-to-back cup runs and after because when he was in his prime – He was one of the most underrated defensemen in the NHL, and he formed one of the five best top pairings in the league when he was in his prime alongside Chris Letang when he was also in his prime. So I hope Dumoulin gets his flowers. I'm sure he will, but it's going to be nice seeing him come back to PPG for this game. His decline was tough. It was tough to watch because, like you said, that was one of the best top pairings in the National Hockey League for a long time. He was an integral part of both of those Stanley Cups in 2016 and 2017 and for my money at his prime he might have been the best defensive defenseman in the NHL for a couple of years so yeah if you're at the game tomorrow and they give that tribute to him loud proud everything you got because he deserves it and he already has three goals in 41 games this year he didn't even have three goals in 82 games for the Penguins last year so I had of course put that out there but I think that'll do it for this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. Thank you all so much for taking the time to listen to slash watch this episode. Monday is a massive day for Pittsburgh sports. We'll see if the Penguins can go one of two before the Steelers try to make it two for two later on that afternoon. But again, thank you all so much for tuning in. We'll be back with another episode for you all on Tuesday to recap this game against the Seattle. And then we'll be back Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday with more episodes regarding this fantastic hockey team in the city. At least that's one word for it. We'll be back for you all on Tuesday.